Amen. Amen. Mm. Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful we can gather here and just uh, worship you, and we just thank you uh, for your goodness to believe you've touched us and brought us into your kingdom, Lord, and we're so thankful for that. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that we can just hear truth from your words. It'll help us as we walk through this world. We can look to you and see you, your uh, loving hand, you know, in everything that we do. So we thank you. I pray you anoint me this morning. I just speak words of the Spirit, and I pray each heart would be open to receive from the Spirit. So we thank you for this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, amen, amen. Turn to Joshua. We're in Joshua. We're going to start off in verse... In chapter 9, verse 14. Joshua 9, verse 14. And here. It says this. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Um, in any communication, uh, there's uh, facts, you know, that we should know. Facts in our communication. Then there's also the intent of the heart. Um, and uh, we should always be careful, you know, carefully hear the facts, but we also should consult the Lord, consult the Lord, uh, and understand the intent of the heart. Um, and if we do that, we won't fall into word traps. So there's the title of this, word traps, not Bible traps, but word traps, the things we hear. And so as we do this, hear the facts and the intent of the heart, uh, we won't fall into these word traps. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> Joshua uh, has experienced um, a word trap and fallen into it. And, you know, Joshua, he's such a, you know, when we look, we've gone through the book of Joshua, and you look at Joshua, and it's like, I mean, lesson after lesson after of actually experiencing the power of God supernaturally all the time, but yet he, they just don't seem to ever get there. <laughs> they just don't get it. And before any of us shake our heads, you know, we God may look down, what are you shaking your head about? I've been talking to you for years, and <laughs> you haven't heard a thing I said. So we don't want to be too hard on Joshua. But when you look at from the beginning of crossing the Jordan. Uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable, the lessons and the specific word of God and what he's seen. And so what we have here, it's a little different. He's in a little different situation. But he gets caught up. He gets caught up in some unbelievers. These, in this case, they're unbelievers. They're word trap. And therefore, he makes a decision totally inconsistent with God. So it's here for our lessons. We want to learn something. We want to learn something from here. So um, here they are. Joshua's here. The Israelites are here. They're in the land. They've had multiple victories. God's talking to them. They've seen all sorts of miracles. And then we have this situation happen. The Lord just puts it in here at this time. And so there's a reason that we should take, you know, observe this and pay attention especially if we're having lots of successes <laughs> you know it's like women pay attention to what the lord is doing so here it is joshua's there and he has some people approach him and this is kind of how it goes and we'll line up and see how this word trap unfolds there's no hope overhead on this so you can just follow along in joshua chapter 
9, verses 3 through 6. So, it says this, When the people of Gibeon, Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, which he had completely conquered, okay? So when they, they heard, like, uh-oh, something's happening here. So they, what they did, says, when they heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted, resorted to a ruse. <laughs> That's what, and, you know, a ruse. So they're a little trickery, a little deception going there. It's like, okay, this looks bad. So the Gibeonites resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks, old wine skins, cracked and mended. Okay, now get the picture. They see Joshua's coming. They say, okay, we've got to do something. So get their donkeys, and they're going there. Well, they put all this old stuff on it, really old. You know, it's, it's nothing fresh. It's, it's old. They're doing this on purpose so they are not look like they're close around. So they had all these old wineskins. It's cracked and mended. Then they put on patched sandals on their feet. They wore old clothes. I mean, this is a you know, disheveled-looking bunch of coming, all right? Old clothes. And all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua. So they, and I picture them. Then they went to Joshua, this ragged group. Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal. That's the original camp that the Israelites at after they crossed after they crossed the Jordan. So they, they went to this camp, Israelite camp in Gilgal. And they said to Joshua and all the Israelites, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. Okay. Now, so we have this picture here. The people of Gibeon understood, they totally understood that they were among the people that Joshua was supposed to destroy. They're in Israel. I mean, they're in the old Canaan like that. And they heard the word got to them. You know, just like the word got to Jericho. Jericho, the people are going to say, uh-oh, they're going to destroy us. Well, Gibeon got the same word. They knew that they were part of the people that uh, Joshua was supposed to destroy. Therefore, what they did, they devised this ruse, this trickery, if you will, this deception to save themselves from destruction. I mean, you can't blame the folks, can you? Now, so they show up. Now, Joshua's suspicious. Okay, he's suspicious. He sees these folks show up. He's suspicious. But he hears them out. He hears what they have to say. We're from a far country. We've come in to see you. We've heard all the great things of God. So he hears them out. And they said, look. You can tell we've come from a far country. Look at our bread. Look at our wineskins. Look at our clothes. We've been traveling. so We're so far away. He says, look at this. So what happens is that Joshua hears his story, and he looks, at the, he looks at the provisions. He looks at the facts. He looks at the facts. He goes, okay, based on the facts you've presented me, what I see it totally verifies your story. So what he does, he makes a peace treaty with the Gibeonites. But in his confidence, Joshua does not inquire of the Lord. Now, here's that's how the first comes up. He sampled their provisions. 
This is what they intended. It's just what they said. And so he makes a treaty with them, but he doesn't inquire of the Lord. Now, you can tell where this is going, don't you? <laughs> okay? And so, and again, this lesson to us. Don't think, Joshua, what are you doing? No, the lesson is to us, all right? So, let's read these verses again in context. The overhead, I'll put the two verses together. Joshua chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly, everybody ratified it on an oath. There you go. Now, what we might say here, you know, the probably when we read it the first time, when we read this the first time in the Scripture, what we probably think was what I thought. We look at the gift, Gibeonites and we go, that smart move. <laughs> it's a smart move, you guys. I mean, we're, we're like, you can't, har- you can't hardly help but cheer for the Gibeonites. You know, you can't. I mean, they're, I mean they're, it's, this is scorched earth policy. This is scorched. And, you know, and they get out of it. They get out. They, they get out of it. So you know, we might take the lesson. You know, when you're going to be destroyed, you know, go. You better work a deal or something. But that's an error here because the story in this whole situation, the account is not about the Gibeonites. There's where we mess up. The account is not about the Gibeonites. It's about Joshua. It's about Joshua. Now, when we look at it about Joshua, we have a different look. See, our perspective has to be different because it's not about the Gibeonites. It's about Joshua. And in our place and how we function, we have to look at Joshua, not the Gibeonites. Amen? So that's what we see here. So when we, so when we look at this, when we look at this account, um, we see that now Joshua, now we're looking at Joshua here, not the Gibeonites. Joshua being fooled, resulted in an alliance with a people God intended to destroy. That's what happened to Joshua. He made an alliance with people that God said, I want them destroyed. He made the alliance. Now, because he made this alliance, made this alliance, we see that not only that he didn't destroy them, he can't destroy them now, because we see later on he made this alliance before God. He just pulled God into it. So before the Lord, and they signed on the dotted line. You know, it's just like a contract. Once you sign on that line, the Lord holds you responsible for that contract you made. Amen? It's just, that's the way that God's hands work. You know, he says, I will come and save you from your ignorance. No, he'll teach you through your ignorance. You know, so that's kind of what happened here. This is what's happening here. Now, what we see, you know, we won't see it, you know, well, we'll see it a little bit next week. We see that the Gibeonites are like an anchor around Israel's neck for years and years to come. They're a pang in their back, aside. We see it recently, but you see it on into the history of Israel and the Gibeonites. Everyone's are popping up their heads, you know. It's, so they, they, they had consequences that followed Israel, you know, through their whole lifetime. So there are consequences to, to this. Now, but what we see here, so now instead of the destroying these people, destroying these people, they are obligated to protect them. 
because they made a treaty. Because they're going into the country where you're going to find out. They're going to, and what they find out is that they're not far, far country. They're like next door. So when they come in, they can't destroy them. And so they have to come around them. And everybody gets them out of the Gibeonites and they have to protect them. Now see what Joshua's got himself into like that? There's consequences to that. And this was an honest mistake by Joshua. He wasn't trying to be disobedient to the Lord or anything else. He just didn't uh, use the wisdom that the Lord did. He didn't inquire of the Lord so he could give him direction. All right? Now, again, what Joshua did, he heard all the evidence and then made a decision, but didn't inquire of the Lord. There's the lesson. That's a lesson to everyone. You get the facts, but then you inquire of the Lord. And so when we inquire of the Lord, we know that he cares about where we are. Now, see, this is something as a church we have to realize, and even Israel should realize, we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings, and God is working through us, through our spirit, to lead us and give us spiritual insight. Therefore, we have greater insight than the world because we're spiritual beings, and we have spiritual insight, which is fully revealed in Scripture, but we have the Holy Spirit within us, and so we are set apart from the things of the world, and we have to discern. We have to discern things. But, and as we live as spiritual beings, if we're not careful, we get caught in the world's word trap. In the world's word trap. How many things in the world do you feel, like I'm saying, when you read this about Gibeon, you go, oh, okay, yeah, good. <laughs> hey, man, you did it. That's good. You saved the whole, you know, group of people. Sometimes in this world, you see where they're bringing up a word trap. Well, are you showing love? Are you being judgment? Are you doing the, you know, this is what a good person should do. This is what a godly person should do. And you follow, yeah, yeah, that's right. And we should compromise a little bit here. And we fall into their word trap. Then we suffer the consequences for our decision because we fell in the world's word trap. Now, that's the lesson. And so we're going to look at a couple other things. But so what is our lesson? What are the facts? That's, you want to know what the facts are. But then you want to know, then you want to inquire of the Lord then you want to inquire of the Lord, then he will tell you the intent of these facts. And then when we understand the intent of the facts as the Lord reveals it, we know how to answer the way the Lord was. But just the facts, we're going to be led astray. We're going to make a treaty with Gibeon. See? And then we're going to suffer those consequences. But if we have the intent of the Lord, then we'll make a decision based on what the Lord says, and then he will continue to bless us like he said, we're going to provide you with all things without this anchor hanging around your neck because when you didn't listen to me. Or didn't listen. You didn't inquire of me. Joshua was listening to him, but he didn't inquire of God in this situation. So we see what, that to keep us being caught in these word traps. Now, we want to understand facts are facts. Facts are facts. They're not like you're not altering the facts or anything. They are facts. However, someone with bad intentions 
can use those facts to their benefit and put a color on them to have us to be disobedient to the Lord. You know, like typical what the church. Well, if you are, is God, is Jesus a God of love? Yes. Therefore, you would do this. See? And we get caught up. But, well, God, I, I, yeah, I guess so. He's like, I can't. See, we get caught up in that. But it's like, no, wait a minute. When we understand God, by the way, the thing here we need, God still speaks to his church. He still speaks. God is a God of love, and you will do this. And so, well, yeah, God's a God of love, and he so loves. However, the behavior is something that he hates. But he loves the person, hates the behavior. Therefore, because of the behavior, I have to make this decision. You see? You don't deny. Yeah, God's a God of love. But how are they using that fact? What's their heart's intent? To get you to compromise? Well, when they give you can't we want you to compromise. You can step over here and you understand their intent. You can communicate God's love and yet exposing the error and standing in God's love. Amen? See, and that's the reason the church is a light and church is a light, not because of the smartest people in the world, as we all in here can attest to. <laughs> but we have spiritual insight that the world does not have. They don't have it. They don't understand it. They don't want it. But we have it. And it can, it'll impact how we handle a situation. So, so we should do this in every conversation. Every time we examine facts or facts are given, we should do like take a pause of 10 seconds. <laughs> you know, 1,001, 1,002. And we're thinking, Lord, what is the intent? What are you trying to tell us? What is their true intent? What's the communication? And we wait, and then God will move on our hearts to be able to be more circumspect to understand these facts the way he wants us to see them, okay? These facts about the giving, that's all true. I mean, you could point to, I mean, you could argue about the facts, daylight till dawn. But when you see what is in the tent, where they, you, know, you could ask questions. I mean, How'd you, how long? How far? <laughs> Maybe we want to send a couple of folks out. Look, sir, will you, we'll walk you back, you know, and kind of get the whole picture here. You know, be circumspect on what's going on. Don't just say, know the fact. Know what's the tent, what the thing's about. Understand the whole picture. Amen? Now, that's the message that's right here that, that Joshua, God is telling God, Joshua. But it's also important for us. It's really important for us, the lesson to take. Facts are facts. Don't argue with the Gibeonites whether their bread's moldy. Their bread is moldy. It's moldy, and they're going to show it to you. But the question is, like, how does all this originate? Let me have some more information about how you got here, and then verify that information, you know, to see if you substantiate the truth but in this thing here specifically what the lord is saying inquire of the lord and what he's saying here to joshua he said joshua you should know something's rotten in denmark excuse denmark i'm a sweden or <laughs> see something is rotten something's going on there's something you don't know and he's going to tell you 
He will tell you, because what here? He said, Joshua, if you would have asked me, I would have told you. Because you didn't inquire of the Lord. We need to inquire of the Lord. Lord, give me the full picture. Give me a check. Give me a positive. Give me a word. Give me the full picture so I can make the decision I need to make. Amen? Now, that's what's saying. And what's important to know, they didn't inquire of the Lord. So the message, we didn't inquire of the Lord. Okay? We need to inquire. God still speaks today. He still speaks today. Amen? Now, here's another one. I want you to look at this one where there's a word trap. Now, this one can get a little, you know, there's several people involved, so it can get a little confusing. So I don't want to confuse you, so I'll walk through it. But uh, I have an overhead for here. But, but this is another example of word traps. And, again, not understanding them, not paying attention. Well, you're paying attention. See, that's, that's a wrong word. You're paying attention and you're looking at the facts but you're not seeing the intent of what's behind it. And you need the Lord to reveal that, or you need to go deeper to see that, because the facts of themselves don't communicate that. Just like with Gibeon, the facts didn't communicate the intent. The intent. Um, <coughs> what they were doing, and they were trying to deceive. Now here's this one. You'll love this one, all right? Again, have in your mind, what we're trying to look at, at what, and what the Bible is showing us, and it shows us several times. So there must be a reason why God's showing us this. What we're looking at, word traps. Don't fall into word traps. God's people shouldn't fall into word traps. Here's the example. First Kings, I put an overhead here just so you can see all the people. First Kings, chapter 2, verse 17 through 18. Adonijah asked Bathsheba, please ask King Solomon, he will not refuse you, to give me Abishag as my wife. Bathsheba replied, very well, I will speak to the king for you. I mean, how innocent. I mean, I mean, this facts, these are just the facts, all this happened, it's true, and they're innocent. What in the world could ever go wrong with this? All right? Now, however, upon examination, this thing is full of word traps. I mean, full. It's amazing how many word traps you've got in these couple of verses here. All right? It is profound, the word traps. It's full of red flags. All right? Now, let's look at this. Now, Bathsheba... She's fine. <laughs> she, yeah, okay. I'll ask him. Now, we all know who Bathsheba is, right? Who's her son? Solomon. Solomon's her son. Solomon's her son. All right. Well, let's look at this innocent group of facts, and we will uh, see some things we should check on and, you know, maybe see a red flag going on here. Okay. First, number one, first, Adonijah. Who in here knows who Adonijah was? Okay, Adonijah. You know, also, they say, the Bible goes, he says, really, he was really handsome. He was really handsome. And it, said, and it also said his father never disciplined him. I mean, just add that to it. It's just kind of interesting. So he's a good-looking, undisciplined kid. Or he's a grown man at this time. So... Adonijah, Adonijah uh, was next in line 
to be, he was next in line to his father, David, to be king. That's who Adonijah was. He was next in line to be king. Next in line to David to be king. But Solomon was chosen. Now, okay, just, I mean, just that alone. Yeah, I mean, she, she's talking about her son, Solomon. He come, so Adonijah comes up and says, hey, let me ask you something. A king will listen to you. Let me ask this. So that's the first thing we should know. What is he doing? Adonijah's next in line to be king. What's he even doing in here? <laughs> I mean, so that should be a question, right? That, that should be a question in there. Now, second, the second thing we should look at, why did Adonijah approach Solomon's mother? Why? I mean, you got to go, why are you doing that for? I, I bet she was sweet, sensitive, you know. Her heart would just bleed for people, <laughs> you know. Nice lady. And so Adonijah doesn't go to Solomon. He goes to his mother. Because he said, he will do what you say. And she has such a soft heart that she will just receive it without any thoughts. She's probably thinking, poor Adonijah. You know, God bless him. He is next in line. He really got a rotten deal. Solomon got all the goodies. And gosh, he... Let's just kind of help the guy out. You know, she just kind of had a heart, you know, and, and just couldn't imagine anybody. He's been through a lot of pain, and I just don't want to cause any more hurt, or maybe I can help him out. And I bet that's exactly what Adonijah knew and thought. He went to Bathsheba to ask this question. Now, so what I'm saying, these are just facts in this when you look at it where she should have, Wait a minute, what's he doing here? And, you know, I feel really bad for him. It won't hurt. It won't hurt just to ask Solomon. All right. Amen? Okay, so, but that would be, wouldn't that be a question? Why? Like I won't, you know, get Woods to do something. I'm going to go ask his mother. <laughs> You'd go, wait a minute. <laughs> why, why are you doing that? There's a reason he did it. There's a reason he did it. Okay, so, and here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. And this one, you know, it just here's the facts. When um, David got, now David is dead now. He's died. David has died now at, at this point in time. He's died. And Solomon is king. And uh, when he got really, really old, and David got really decrepit and old, and he evidently got really, really thin and stuff, and not, mar you know, modern capabilities. They, didn't have, he could, they couldn't keep him warm. They put him from fire. He just couldn't keep warm. So they got this young lady young lady named Abisha, and so what she would do, she'd stay close to him all the time. And like that. Now, there never was any hanky-panky or nothing. I mean, <laughs> David is gone. I mean, David is just like, you know, he's dried up, okay? <laughs> so, so she's trying to give him, so she's trying to give him more, keep him more, okay? So this is Abishak. This is how Abishak goes into the picture. So they picked this girl, and so she, she is, her job is to keep David warm. Now, <laughs> so Adonijah 
who was the number one son, goes to Bathsheba and asks for Abishai to be his wife. Now, David's dead. He's gone and like that. Why? Because with Abishai, in the whole world of things, because of her connection, close connection with David, by her becoming his wife, there's a close connection and it, and it enhances his claim on the throne. And he gets it. It's another evidence that throne is mine and it's evidence to all of Israel because I have this woman, had this close relationship with David, Abishai. Now, you got this? I mean, you should go... Why you? What are you doing? What are you, I mean, there's just three questions here. Now, Bathsheba, God bless her. I bet she's the sweetest lady. You know, I mean, it's like that. She's picking this thing up. I mean, it was. She doesn't see any issue whatsoever. She totally knew who Adonijah was. She totally knew his claim on the throne. She totally understood who Abishai was. All that. She. Knew. But it was just. It's not that big a deal. Not that big a deal. Totally doesn't see any issues. So what does she do? She goes and asks her son, King Solomon. Amen? He asks her. Now, so we got the picture set. You got all that? So Bathsheba goes in and asks Solomon. Now, what's interesting here is um, the Bible says, it's like Solomon um, regards, I mean, the Bible regards Solomon as like the wisest man in the world. That's who, I mean, God says, like, he's the wisest man in the world. Everybody comes to him because he's the wisest man in the world. And um, is the wisest man in the world. He does not fall into word traps. He didn't fall into word traps. In fact, that was it. He, you remember the whole thing about, oh, whose baby is this? We cut it in half. We give it half of both of you. And the real mother goes, no, don't do that. He's just a smart guy. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, she asked Solomon. Well, let's listen to Solomon's reply. Now, there's no overhead for here, but just listen to this. Now, again, the lesson to us is we need to pay attention when, when people talk to us. Don't just assume and just... 1 Kings chapter 2, 21 through 23. So she said, so Bathsheba said to Solomon, let Abishag be given in marriage to your brother, Adonijah. Now, here's, I mean, that's just all he says. Here's what King Solomon said. King Solomon looks at this, and he can just see his mind going like this. Tick -a -tick -a -tick -a -tick -a -tick. I mean, it spun all of a sudden. He did, King Solomon, bomb, bomb, bomb in his head. And King Solomon answered his mother, Why do you request Abishai for Adonijah. I mean, mom. Mom. And then he says this. You might as well request the whole kingdom for him. Did he see through it or not see through it? He said, you might as well request the kingdom. Just, just ask me. Give the whole kingdom. That would be the same thing as you doing this. And it doesn't say it here. She goes, but darling, you know, you're a little too harsh here. No, it doesn't say that. But anyway, it says, you might as well request the whole king kingdom for him. He is my older brother. Yes, 
Yes. You know what else you should do? You might as well give it to Abathur the priest and Joab my father's commander. Now see what he pulled in there? Now this is fascinating to me. He's like, oh, you saw through Adonijah immediately. But what he also said, you might as well give it to Abathur the priest and Joab the commander. See, Joab the commander and Abathur the priest, when Adonijah rebelled against King David, Abathur the priest and Joab the commander helped him. They helped him. So when he saw Adonijah, he goes, hey, he didn't come up here by himself. No, he got his cohorts. I mean, he, he saw through all of that. He saw through all of that. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, may God deal with me if it be ever so severely if Adonijah does not pay with his life because of this request. I mean, now look at the difference in the response Bathsheba and Solomon. Like, you know... Bathsheba said, well, okay, honey, I understand. So, you know, Solomon goes, that's the last request you're ever going to make. You're done. See, that's the difference in the two. One got caught in a word trap and one didn't. Now, see, Solomon clearly sees the facts. He, he saw the same thing Bathsheba did. But he also sees the intent of the heart, the word trap. Solomon says, this is important, his first comment, you might as well request the whole kingdom for him. He, he, he says, this is what this is all about. It's not about his wife or nothing else. Solomon clearly saw the intent of the heart behind the request. Now, I've kind of given you up, and I'm going to go back over this just as we look at this and compare what we saw Bathsheba should have saw and she didn't see it. But look what Solomon saw. Solomon saw everything. Okay, first... This is what Solomon saw. Not only saw, he knew. It's a fact. See, some people can't do this. And what you realize that some people, you know, would never see Adonijah as a problem unless he came in with a gun and took a shot at Solomon. You know, that, I mean, they'd have to see some. But people with wisdom could back and see, no, we see the, no, this is what's happening. And so it could step in early enough to take care of the problem. You just see that with people. You just see it. You just said, okay, first here, Adonijah had had previously made a claim to the throne. So that happened. Now, we didn't read about that, but when you read the account in uh, Kings, it tells you that. So we know Adonijah had already tried to take the kingdom. I mean, he got a bunch of people. He tried to take it. And by giving Abishag to Adonijah, who is Solomon's older brother, you would enhance Adonijah's claim to the throne because of Abishag's close connection with the king. You see, that's just, he, he sees that as a piece in the puzzle that he can move forward with. How is he going to get, you know, Solomon's not going to agree to that. I think Bathsheba will. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's what happened. That's the whole thing that happened there. Now, Second, when Adonijah tried to take David's throne, Abathar the priest and Joab, David's old military commander, gave their full support to Abijah. Thus, the word trap 
includes both of them in a conspiracy to replace Solomon. So Solomon said, no. <laughs> then nothing about Adonijah that he'd do this on his own. But there's a lot about Joab and there's a lot about Abathar that would benefit from being. And they tried it one time and he sees the picture clearly. Some people, well, you don't know. It doesn't say that Joab said, and you don't know about Abathar. They both might have repented, you know. And it's like, no. This picture, he sees everything. See, and God's telling us we need to see everything. And he will tell us. And he, now, again, he didn't just pick Abathar out of left field and Joab out of right field. No, they had already been in this. They've already shown their colors. They've already been rebuked for this, the whole thing. And when Adonijah came forth, he goes, no, I see the whole conspiracy. It's happening. And the soft spot they found was my mother, you know. And the way to open the crack in the door is to give me Abishah, which shows consent. He saw it. He saw it. And you know how long he had to think about this? About a millisecond. About a millisecond, see? Now, so here's one. Now, here's the third thing, and this is important to know. Adonai, Adonijah was previously rebuked for rebellion. Okay? He, he's already been rebuked for rebellion. And all he's doing now is repeating that same rebellion. You see, it wasn't like Adonijah came with this beautiful history and support and all this. So no, we know who you are anyway, and we're hoping you repent. But what you did, you just evidence that you haven't. Now, the lesson here, the lesson for, and again, people have a problem with this. I mean, you have people, well, we need to give Joab another shot. You know, he didn't say, well, we got to give Abathur another shot. We didn't know about this. You know Solomon, you know, maybe, you know, he just happens. Donna, he has been lonesome, and, you know, he just, he just had a connection with David. That's no big deal, given his wife. You're overreacting. He wasn't. And God's telling us he wasn't. So you don't want to be like those people. You want to be like you see the facts, see them clearly. God reveals you the truth based on their history, based on who they are, and therefore you don't fall into into a word trap. And he doesn't, God doesn't talk to these people that, well, you don't know, you don't know, they didn't mean this, you don't know. No, he doesn't give them any grace for that. He says, that's an error. I'm not hearing God. And he talks to Solomon and says, you saw the truth in this and I'll support you in the truth. And Solomon did, did you know, dealt directly with it immediately. See? And it never was an issue. It never was an issue. It's, it's um, in the scripture when you read there when uh, Joab found out that Adonijah, uh, that Solomon figured out what Adonijah did and, got, and, and uh, Solomon said to Adonijah, he says, okay, this is your last request, Adonijah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. And it even, you reason, it said when Job heard this, when Joab heard this, what Solomon said about Adonijah, said he ran to the temple and grabbed the horns of the temple and said, if you kill me here, you have to come to the temple. Why did he do that? He knew, oh, my goose is cooked. 
He, he wasn't even going to make an argument with Solomon. Say, oh, no, he saw through this whole thing. See, it didn't say that Joab went, well, you misunderstood. We, <laughs> no, he full well was in on it, and he also knew he couldn't get past Solomon. See, and so he went and held on to the altar in the temple. And the head man for Solomon came back and said, you know, Joab, he ran in the temple. He's got his arms right at the temple and says, you've got to walk in the temple and kill him. He's not coming out. What do you want me to do? Solomon says, go in the temple and kill him. <laughs> I mean, I mean where do, you're talking about a decision. No, I see through this. We're done. We are done. We are done. Now, the purpose is for, in this thing, what we need to understand, the lesson, you know, Bathsheba and Solomon had all the same facts. Bathsheba knew everything Solomon knew. She was there the whole time. She she knows what happened. She knows these characters. They all know her individually. She knows who they are. They had the same facts. But Solomon had God's wisdom. To see the heart intent, the facts behind the facts. You see? So this is like lesson to us. You know, we need to understand. And this comes from, you know, from a spiritual insight. First it comes from knowing the facts. Don't make something up, you know. You know the facts. But from knowing fact, but then you look at them and go before the Lord, and He will give you the picture of the facts behind the facts, and you need to know that before you make the decision. Amen. Now, what would happen here? Well, Bathsheba, okay, Mom, whatever you say, Adonijah would have killed Solomon. That was the, that was the, that's, that's what would happen. See. But she was so sweet and before the Lord. And he said, I know, darling, <laughs> you know, they killed Solomon. But I know you had a good heart. You see, you see what I'm saying? See, God cuts through this stuff for us. But well, you have to be in the scriptures. You have to ask the Lord and you go before him. Okay, here are the facts. Lord, what in this am I not seeing? What are the facts behind Adonijah, Joab, and Abathur? What are the facts, you know, behind why he, why is he talking to my mother? You know, I mean, what, you know, and by this way, as I mentioned before, it took Solomon a millisecond. Millisecond. He, he, he didn't think, well, let me pray about it. I go, uh-uh. Last request you'll ever make, Adonai, you're done. And all your friends. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. You all with me? And see, so here's a lesson. And that's the reason uh, Joshua, when he found this out, he's like, oh, my gosh. You know, and it's like he was, well, God says, you, I know you intended well, Joshua. We'll go in. We can rebuke this contract. No, God verified it. Your contract? And this is your responsibility. And it's your responsibility for years and years to come. Because you didn't do what I said. Okay. And here what? With Bathsheba and Solomon, we see, Bathsheba didn't have wisdom. Solomon did. And you had to deal quickly with the facts you had because of the situation. Amen? Now, this is for every one of us. This is for every one of us to understand, you know, 
And I don't mean to be sarcastic, but oh, Jesus is love, and he'll just put his arms around you. And Jesus would just want you to do this. Jesus would never say, wait a minute, you need to read the Scriptures closer because Jesus is of love, and he will, you know, come and embrace and bring someone into the kingdom. But if they reject him and walk away, they walk away to their doom and damnation. But Jesus, yeah. I always look at the rich young ruler, you know, he came to Jesus, <laughs> he come to Jesus, and he said, oh, good, you know, good teacher. You know, Jesus go, and he saw for the guy, he goes, why do you call me good? Only God's good. Well, I, you know, I mean, they heard you as good. And, you know, and he said, what do you do? I won't have my way in heaven. What should I do to earn my way to heaven? He said, keep the law. Did you know you can do that? You can go to heaven and keep the law. Every single point and never violate anything of it. Which dooms everybody to hell, by the way. But so when, so the guy, so Jesus tells the guy, how do I inherit eternal life? He goes, keep the law. I'm a good teacher. Keep the law. But see, this guy didn't have any clue who Jesus was. He didn't know who Jesus was. He said, well, you just, like everybody else, I'm a good teacher. Keep the law. Keep the law. And he goes, I have, ever since of my youth, I've kept the law. He didn't. You know he didn't. You know he didn't. He thought he did. He said, I kept it from my youth. Now, Jesus, you don't think, oh, wow, good, give me a high five, brother. We're in together. You know, he looks at him, and he says, oh, okay, that's good. Sell everything you have, and then you'll be perfect. And God goes, well, no, I can't do that. And he said, he walked away sad. You know, you know what Jesus said? First of all, it's fascinating. Jesus said, oh, hey, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. He just let him go. He said, this guy's no way. You know, he's not going to hear nothing. We just let him go. Now, he didn't say that. That's my. But what Jesus did say, I just want to tell you, it's harder for a rich man to go through an eye of a needle than go to heaven. And we didn't say, well, it must be impossible. Well, it is physically impossible. But if you accept Christ, you're automatically in. But he didn't have a clue about Christ. Therefore, it'd be easier for him to go through an eye of a needle than to go to heaven. You see? But how could Jesus say that? He saw the word trap. And you know what the first thing what Jesus saw? Good teacher. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'll show you how good I am. See, he didn't have a clue who Jesus was because he called him a good teacher. If you're in this world and ever anybody calls Jesus a good teacher, that means they don't know Jesus. They don't know him. They don't have a clue who Jesus is. As soon as they say he's a good teacher. He never claimed to be a good teacher. Never. Did you know that? He claimed to be God. I mean, it's a difference. <laughs> There's a difference. Okay, now, kind of going a little. I'm enjoying these stories. I hope you guys. But here's another one. And we'll talk about Jesus. Jesus never fell in a word trap. Never fell in the word trap. Now, Jesus always saw the heart intent behind the facts. He just saw it. He knew it. He could see it. He could see it. You know. Now, so we could say, 
Well, he was God. That's not fair. He knows everything. He knows what people's thinking. Well, here on this earth, that's a true statement. But here on this earth, what Jesus was showing us here on this earth is how man and woman were to walk is a true man or woman. That's what he's doing. He didn't come to show God. We know who God is. We just read the Old Testament. That's God. Woo. He came us to, sh- to show us what man should be, how man should behave. So when we say, well, God, Jesus knew because he's God. No, Jesus knew because he was a man. Acting as a man is supposed to act. Y'all with me? He's telling us, no, this is how you should. Well, how can we do that? Because we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit. And now we have Christ in us. And we behave like he behaves. And he teaches us all our Christian life how to do that. Amen. So. That's not an excuse to say he's God and he knows this because that's not what he's showing us. But let's look here. It's a great one. Luke 20, 21 through 22. And it's funny when you read before that, they said they were going to try to catch Jesus in his words. (laughs) I mean, mean, that just blows my mind that they said that. They did this to catch Jesus in their words. So anyway, look at this. Luke 20, verse 21, 22. The spies questioned Jesus. Teacher. Now these guys, these guys, they don't like anything about Jesus, all right? The spies questioned Jesus. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Oh, man. Man, they've said that to me. That's come on, ask me anything you want, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm here, you know. Glad you finally recognized it. Now, but here's one. And so then they asked this question. They said, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? I mean, that's a good factual question with a good factual answer. I mean, that period. Now, however... What we have here, the facts, the absolute truth, and these are facts. What they said about Jesus is absolute truth. Absolute truth, what they said. The facts, and it's absolute truth. However, the facts, the praise coming from their mouth is a word trap. Totally true. Totally true. But coming from their mouth was a word trap. was a word trap. And it is attempting to destroy Jesus and his ministry. Everything correct. Everything positive. Everybody going, amen. See? The intent was to destroy him. The facts behind the facts was to destroy him. Now, <laughs> Jesus says... And I just love this. Luke 20, 23. We have an overhead. <laughs> Luke 20, 23. I mean, I just told you. They just told me I'm the greatest thing walking. I said, I'm glad you finally came to your senses. And you know, come in here. Give me a raise. And yeah, God bless. <laughs> Look what Jesus said. Jesus saw through their duplicity. Jesus saw through their duplicity. He's just looking at them going, hmm. <laughs> Ain't that important? He saw duplicity. They said something, but they meant 
something else. Not what they said was wrong, but they meant something else. Jesus saw through their duplicity. Now, this is really important. Jesus demonstrates an important point for us to really see clearly. Lesson. Jesus did not need or desire their praise. Therefore, what they said did not cloud his vision, and he could easily see their hypocrisy. All God's people said he didn't need their praise. He didn't need to be told he was a good teacher. He didn't need to be told he taught the word act. He didn't need that. He just did it, and that was truth. And when they said it, it meant nothing to him because he didn't need it. We fall into word traps a lot of times because we want the praise we received. We want the praise, and it tempts us to step into that word trap. Glad you recognize I'm a good teacher. See, then you step into their word traps. Y'all see that? The big thing here, he didn't need the praise, didn't cloud his thinking at all, had no impact. He didn't. He was just secure in being Jesus. <laughs> Amen? See, it's very, and it says, he, therefore, he saw their hypocrisy. He saw through their duplicity. Now, we have, um, did I just go off? I just, okay. Um, so, this is where it comes back, like in Matthew 5, 8, it says this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they see God. Blessed are the uncluttered in heart because they see God. And therefore, they, not cluttered in heart, behave as God wants them to behave because their heart's not cluttered. It doesn't need praise. It doesn't need any of these other things. All it needs is Jesus. Now, with a, I'm just going to speak. Go here. Um, with a pure heart, Jesus saw as God saw and was never deceived even when the truth was spoken with evil intent. Therefore, Jesus, when he was in a word trap, could answer with wisdom because he saw it. He saw what it was. So he said in Luke twenty twenty four, Show me a denarius whose image is on inscription are on it. They go, Caesar's. By seeing clearly... Jesus is turning their deception, their word trap, into a spiritual lesson. See, he didn't tell them to get lost, but by having wisdom, he turns their word trap into a spiritual lesson. But he had to see clearly where they were coming from before he could do that. And then he says this, okay, you're right. He said, give, Luke 20, 25, he said to them, give back to Caesar." What is Caesar's? And to God's, what is God? Now, see, that was a simple yes and no answer they asked him. Simple yes and no, what they asked him. But he saw what they were doing, and he turned it into a spiritual gift to Caesar and God's, what is God? He put it on them, and there's a lesson there. And then by understanding the word trap, and people do this all the time, Jesus controlled the conversation and used it to expose their deception. He could control that whole conversation because he understood the intent and he used it for his benefit. Now, 
is what we need to learn from Jesus. And what he's telling us here is that every believer should understand this. Every believer should understand this. Uh, Matthew 10, 16. Matthew 10, 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Joshua, Adonijah, Bathsheba, Saul. It's the same thing. It is absolutely the same thing. And he said, you need to be this smart in sharing the gospel or you're going to fall into all sorts of word traps. How many of Christians are talking to a non-believer and fell, falling into one of their word traps and you're just stuttering after you can't even answer them? Because you never saw the intent of their question and you never inquired of the Lord to answer that in a point the way God would see it and the way God would answer it. I mean, that's what he's telling us to do. That is the lesson here. And, and here's the other thing we need to know. It's so, so important that we have the capacity to hear from the Lord and answer the way Jesus would answer. We have the capacity to answer is Jesus answered. As spiritual beings, we cleanse our heart, inquire of God, and listen to the Holy Spirit. And therefore, he says to us, Matthew 10, 19 through 20, At that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. All God's people said, that's who we are today. That's who we are today. Hear the facts. Ask God to interpret the facts behind the facts. Because that's what he wants you to do. That's why you're there. That's why you're there. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And Lord, we just pray that, you know, we thank you first of all that you've given us the ability and the wisdom to follow you and to hear from you. And so, Lord, that you will show us clearly what is happening, clearly what we should say, clearly what you want, and not be confused by our own thinking. We thank you we have the Holy Spirit. We call upon him that he will speak to us. Yes, we understand the full facts the best we can, but we always go to the Lord Jesus. Spirit, speak to me. Give me insight. Amen and amen. Amen.